You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Oh, good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to be with you here this morning. Thank you so much, Tyler, for inviting us and giving us an opportunity to share with you. As Tyler said, um, we were at New Life Church in Worthing. I was pastor there for 28 years. And then I thought it was time to let someone else have a go. And so uh, five, nearly six years ago now, I retired from leading the church, which has given us the opportunity and the delight of uh, being able to continue in ministry without any responsibilities at all. <laughs> and Tyler, I can recommend it to you. <laughs> and so most Sundays we're taking services in churches uh, usually locally, but also further afield, and I travel internationally a bit as well. One of the things is that when we we go to different churches, we meet lots of lovely Christians. We're always warmly welcomed wherever we go, and that's great. But coming here this morning has been a special treat for us, and we've been blessed already just by being here. Because we go to some churches which are committed to doing everything really, really well. Everything is really, really well organized and well run, but it doesn't always leave room for the Holy Spirit. We go to other churches where there's lots of room for the Holy Spirit, but not much room for any kind of order or organization. It's rare to find a church where there is a commitment to excellence and an openness to the Holy Spirit. And this is one of those churches. And I believe the Lord will want to encourage you and affirm you in both of those important things. I think it was Bill Hybels who said, excellence honors God and blesses people. So it's right that you pursue excellence. You know, everything works. It's clean. It's beautifully decorated. All the technology works. The children are well cared for. It looks beautiful outside. You know, you've got lots of things going for you because you're committed to excellence. But there is also that sense, and it's been there through the worship of God being present here, that this is a place where you can meet with God. This is a place where prayers are heard, where needs are met, where people come to know Jesus and not just know him and stay near where they came in, but progress and grow in their Christian faith. And I just believe the Lord wants to encourage you and say, well done, church, keep going. More of the same uh, will glorify God and bless people. So as I said just a moment ago, I wanted to speak this morning about what to do when life is hard. How many here have discovered that life is hard? Anybody? Yeah? How many here have discovered that even the Christian life can be hard? Is that true? Yeah. I'm sure we're all on the same page here. And so I thought we'd look at a very familiar passage of scripture, which we're going to read together. And the words are going to appear on the screen. And what I'm going to suggest we do is that I'll read the first slide and then you read the next one and so on uh, through Romans 8 verses 28 to 39. So here's the first slide that I'm going to read. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and accord according to his purpose for them. God 
And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. And just to say hi to the folks there in Brighton. Sorry I didn't do that a few minutes ago. Lovely to be sharing with you in this link. And I'm sure all the things I've said about the campus here in Burgess Hill also applies to you folks in Brighton. So thank you for listening as well this morning. So here's this very familiar passage from Romans chapter 8, one of the best loved passages in all the pages of Scripture. And if you've been a Christian any length of time, you will be familiar with these words. People will have quoted them to you, and almost certainly you will have quoted them to other people, almost to the extent that these words have become a bit of a cliché, especially the opening words. Whatever situation you might be facing in life, however terrible the circumstance, some well-meaning Christian will inevitably remind you, well, all things work together for good. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which unfortunately can often seem a bit glib and superficial to say it when you're going through a hard time. So this morning we're going to delve a little bit more deeply into what we do when life is hard. Maybe it's not hard for you at the moment, but either in the past or in the future, it has or it will be difficult in some way or other. And the thing is that when Paul is writing this, he's writing it in the context of suffering. Verse 18, he talks about what we suffer now. And later on he talks about how we groan to be released from pain and suffering. So Paul's words are particularly addressed to people who are going through a hard time to help them know what to do 
or how to respond when life is hard. And he gives us four very simple tips of what we can do. And here's the first one. We can recognize the unseen hand of God. Recognize the unseen hand of God. Verse 28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. In other words, however dire your circumstances, however deeply depressing they may be, however awful the prognosis for your life might appear, what you're going through, whatever it may be, however damaging and debilitating, is something that God is at work in, causing it all to work together for good. Because the fact is that God is not defeated by your circumstances. God is not defeated by your circumstances. You may be, but God isn't. They didn't come as a surprise to him. He didn't wake up one day and think, oh my word, I never thought that would happen to them. You might have thought that, but not God. He knew about it all along and his purposes are not frustrated by what you happen to be going through. And as you cooperate with him and recognize his unseen hand at work, he will bring good out of those circumstances. Of course, easier said than done. We can see the unseen hand of God when we look back. And I'm sure if we've been Christians for any number of years, we can look back and say, yeah, I saw now how that worked out in my life. We can encourage other people in their circumstances to believe that God is at work. However, it's not so easy to see God's unseen hand in our circumstances, is it? And part of the reason, I believe, is that we don't understand what God is up to. And we have a very superficial idea of what it means that God works all things together for good. And basically, I, th I think we often believe that it means that everything's going to work out all right in the end. And we will all live happily ever after. But how many of us know that only happens in fairy tales? Unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily always work out the way that we expect. And our problems don't instantaneously disappear when we start praying about them. And we ought to realize this because Paul, who penned these words, knew a great deal more than most of us about things not working out. Shipwrecks, beatings, imprisonment, cold and hunger, rejection and ridicule. Not what most people would consider as it all working out together for good. Nevertheless, Paul was convinced that this was the case. He recognized in all of these circumstances that God's unseen hand was at work, uh, operating at a higher level and to a higher agenda. What's the higher agenda that God is working towards in your life and mine? Verse 29 tells us, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that the son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is the good that God was walking towards in Paul's life and is working towards in our lives. Christ-likeness to make us like Jesus. 
So any experience we go through, however desperate, can be redemptive. God can use it for a higher purpose to make us like Jesus. So there is a different kind of prayer that we can pray in difficult times. Rather than pray, you know, this is awful, get me out of here and do it quickly, maybe we could be praying, Lord, what do you want to teach me through this circumstance? In what ways do you want me to learn and help me to become more like your son? And the sooner I believe that we can get that kind of perspective and begin to cooperate with God in what he's doing instead of sometimes kicking against it, we can move on. We can be changed more into the likeness of Jesus and it may well be then that circumstances will change in unexpected ways. Now, if you've ever been to the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, you'll see a wonderful sculpture. It's a sculpture of David the shepherd boy. Maybe you've seen it. It's a cast of the original, which is in the Piazza della Signoria in Florence in Italy. And it's a sculpture of David, the shepherd boy, about to meet Goliath. He's got his sling over his left shoulder. He's got a stone in his right hand. He got up in a bit of a hurry that morning and forgot his clothes, but <laughs> that, that's another matter. Well, they say that one day Michelangelo had come across a horribly mutilated piece of marble that had been disfigured and discarded by a second-rate sculptor. But Michelangelo saw something in this floor piece of marble and he took it home to his workshop. And from something so horribly disfigured came one of the finest works of art the world has ever seen. Sometimes some of us might feel like that discarded piece of marble. We've been damaged seemingly beyond remedy by the careless, clumsy and insensitive treatment of other people. You feel like a reject, cast away on the scrap heap with no hope of repair. It hasn't worked out for you. All your problems haven't been solved. It hasn't been a case of living happily ever after. But listen, don't give up. Because the master sculptor hasn't finished with you yet. And out of the rough edges and flawed workmanship of your life, he is creating a masterpiece. Remember, God is more interested in shaping your character than he is in ensuring your comfort. And he's working through your circumstances to bring about good, to make us like Jesus, and in so doing, to prepare us for heaven. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, was driving down the road one day where there were some uh, roadworks, road improvements going on. And at the end of the roadworks, she saw a sign that said, thank you for your patience, end of construction. End of construction, thank you for your patience. And she said, when the time comes, I want that on my gravestone. And it is. There's a picture of her gravestone here. It's not a very good picture, but it actually says on her gravestone, end of construction, thank you for your patience. Here's a close-up of it. Sorry, it's not a very good picture, but you can probably just read it. She died in 2007. We're all under construction. and God is all working all things together to make us like Jesus and to fit us for heaven. 
A man was walking through a city street one day and he came to a place where they were building a cathedral. And as he came along, he saw a stonemason working on a piece of stone on the ground. And he watched him for a while and his curiosity got the better of him. And he said, uh, excuse me, can you tell me exactly what you're doing with that stone? And the stonemason pointed to the spire of the cathedral and then he pointed to the stone on the ground. He said, I'm shaping this down here so that it will fit up there. That's what God's doing with you. Shaping you down here so that you will fit up there. I must move on. Here's the second thing when life is hard. Rely on God supplying everything you need. Rely on God to supply all your needs. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Now, of course, we need to get a bit of perspective here. It's true that God has given us the jewel of heaven. He's given us his best, his one and only son. Will he withhold anything else from us that we need? Of course not. But we need this perspective that Paul is talking about our needs and not our wants. I've always wanted a BMW, but it hasn't happened yet. I have to make do with a Kia. He doesn't always give us the things that we want. Paul said, This same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Have you ever realized that sometimes your concept of what you need is different from God's concept of what you need? Quite clear in your mind, but it doesn't seem to be clear in God's. Spend a lot of time asking God for what you think you need, even complaining at times, and only later do you realize that it wasn't what you needed really in the first place. Remember Billy Graham's wife Ruth once said, if God had given me what I thought I needed, I would have married the wrong man several times. That's on the next slide, by the way. That's it. So, Rosemary and I were desperate to leave our first church in Deptford, in southeast London. If you've ever been to Deptford, you'll know why we wanted to leave it. <laughs> and we were looking for another church to exercise the ministry, and we were invited to preach with a view, as it's described in the Baptist circles. Um, at this lovely little church in Essex, not far from where Rosemary and I lived, met, and got married. We went there for a particular weekend. We had a wonderful weekend. There was a baptismal service. They gave an appeal and folks come to Christ. And it was great. We loved it. And we were already packing our cases by the time we got home. Uh, a week or so later, we got a letter from the church that we were expecting. And as we opened it, we read... We are so sorry to say that we cannot invite you to be our pastor because you did not receive the required two-thirds majority of votes at the church meeting. Devastation, disappointment, dejection. What are we going to do? Well, what we had to do was stay at Deptford for a few more years. And during those few more years, we discovered an important truth that we needed to learn that whilst there are difficult places to minister, there are no impossible places. And we saw God at work. We saw the church begin to uh, grow and folks begin to come to Christ so that when we finally 
moved to Worthing in 1981. It was the right time. I went to work for a Christian publishing company and wrote Bible studies and tracts, which many of them are still in use today. And then we joined the church where I became the pastor. It's where our children uh, grew up and became adults and got married and so on. So we're thankful to God that he didn't give us what we thought we needed right at the beginning because he had a better plan in view. Here's the third thing that we need to do to realize that Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he's sitting in the place of honor, pleading at God's right hand for us. Here's the thing, there is an accuser, someone who wants to make you feel depressed and defeated and demoralized. You can listen to his lies and accusations if you want. You can conclude that life is hopeless and that you're washed up and beyond repair or remedy. You can believe that if you want. You can listen to the lies of the enemy, his accusations. Or you could take heart from the fact that God has chosen you to be his child. He's declared you not guilty. Not only has Jesus died, risen again, and poured out his Holy Spirit for you, but right now, if you've ever wondered what Jesus is doing, this is it. He's praying for you. Sitting at the Father's right hand in the place of supreme power and authority, bringing your name before the Father. Isn't that wonderful? What are you doing, Jesus? I pray for them, he says, speaking to the Father on your behalf. What do you think he's praying for you right now? What do you think Jesus is praying for you? What would you like him to pray for you, to plead with the Father on your behalf this morning? Maybe it would be, Father, help them to see your hand in those difficult circumstances of their life. Father, help them to trust you, to cling tightly to you in faith, even when they don't understand what's going on. Father, help them through this temptation, this time of testing, to stand fast and to come through. Give them the grace to persevere. Father, help them to see in their circumstances the opportunity to develop godly character. Realize that Jesus is praying for you. Here's the fourth thing. Remember that God's love never fails. God's love never fails. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love the New Living Translation of uh, one of those verses. Does it mean he no longer loves you if you have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or cold or in danger or threatened with death? The answer is, of course not. Of course not. Paul knew what it was like to suffer all of those things, but he never once doubted that God loved him. That knowledge sustained him through all the trials of his life. And here in this passage, Paul has given us a long list of calamities that might befall you. Everyday difficulties, extraordinary dangers, demonic spirits or difficult people. Troubles today, trials tomorrow. But whatever happens, Paul says, God's love never fails. Whatever else changes, God's love remains the same. The Lord has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? The words I'm going to read now were found penciled on the wall of a patient's room in a mental hospital. They were eventually found to have originally been written by a Jewish poet, Ben Isaac Neharai, in 1050 AD. Many centuries later, a Christian pastor wrote some additional verses and put them to music, creating a much-loved sacred song. But the original verse, written on the wall, of a patient's room in a mental hospital goes like this. Could we with ink the ocean fill? Were all the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Remember that God's love never fails. God's love never fails. So what do you do when life is hard? I suggest these four things from Paul's encouragement to us from Romans chapter 8. Recognize the unseen hand of God. God is at work, working to make you, through your circumstances, more like Christ. Rely on God to supply all your need may not agree with what you think you need, but God's way is always best. God always gives the best to those who leave the choice with him. Realize that Jesus is praying for you before the Father, holding your name, bearing your name before our Heavenly Father. And finally, remember that God's love never, ever fails. Nothing can ever change that. So how do we respond to this? I'm going to suggest in just a moment that uh, we hear uh, from Rosemary to sing again and at that point the folks from Brighton will leave us but it may well be that there are particular areas in which this uh, message has touched your life this morning. As I was praying as the service was going on I felt there were three particular people I think there are others as well but three particular people Someone who's going for a hospital appointment uh, this coming week. And I'd love to be able to pray with you for Jesus to be with you as you go for that hospital appointment. 
someone else has an important decision that you have to make this week and you're still in doubt and turmoil about the decision you have to make. You'd like to delay it, but actually you can't delay it. And the third thing is, for some of you, you're thinking about changing your job and you're in the process of considering making an application. Maybe it's already gone in for a job and, and God wants to clearly guide you and give us a, him give you a sense of his will in that particular situation. But there may be other things, sickness or financial difficulties, maybe relationship problems or family tensions, perhaps friends you counted on have let you down or circumstances are getting you down. And I believe God wants to reassure you today that he hasn't forgotten you, that he is at work in your circumstances. He will provide everything you need because Jesus is praying for you and Father loves you with an unshakable and unchangeable love. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.